Thank you guys so much for listening to the Collegian Cultivate podcast. My name is Pete, and today I'm talking to Andrew Smith, who is a professor of practice in the AQ Miller School of Journalism and Mass Communications and chairman of the board of directors of Collegian Media Group, and also who tragically tested positive for COVID-19 um, a few weeks ago now. Hey, Professor Smith, how are you feeling at this point? Hey, Pete, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, uh, boy, it's this has been a, a, a rough month. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at this point, um, you know, we're to the point now where the, the virus is uh, we've managed to deal with the virus, and you know, one of the things about this virus is that you you still have to deal with all the wreckage that's kind of left behind mm. by the virus. So, right. uh, my lungs are still healing from the pneumonia that it caused. My liver is still healing. I'm still being treated for blood clots that uh, came as a as a complication of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all those, and then you add to it, uh, there's a a fatigue and uh, an exhaustion that runs through this disease that, as far as we know, and we can tell is uh, is kind of ongoing for a few weeks, mm. you know, up, up to five weeks. And, um, you know, we're, I'm probably three to four weeks into it now, but, uh, and, you know, starting to feel much, much stronger. So I'm able to yeah. go back to teaching and I'm able to do uh, some yard work and things like that. So uh, we're getting getting closer. My family also uh, all were presumptively positive as well. And uh, they've all, I have two, two teenage daughters who are kind of back to normal, and my wife, who uh, kind of has a, a little ups and downs, but uh, we're we're certainly on the uh, on the upside of the of the whole uh, disease and the recovery portion, which is great. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think we talk a lot about in the news and just when we're talking about the the disease, like we talk about statistics, symptoms, information. But I wanted to ask you, like, what does it actually feel like? Like what does what does like shortness of breath actually feel like? Yeah, that's a good question because I think that most people have never experienced something like that because it's a serious that's a serious complication of of any kind of an illness. Uh, a couple of things that are the hallmarks of this um, are the fever and yeah. you know anyone who's ever had uh, any kind of an infection or a, a virus that has caused a fever um, kind of knows a lot of those. Uh, pieces uh, that come with that fever. I, I had a fever that was consistently hitting about 103, mm. and that is uh, that changes um, your mindset. I mean, it, you know, essentially, I um, would get shakes and chills, and you know, think of that, think of the coldest time that you've ever felt. You know, where you were standing outside in line at the football game uh, three hours before, and it was 20 degrees. And you were shivering, and that was kind of every day. Hmm. Um, included in that then was what it does to you uh, mentally with a with a high fever. High fever really affects brain passage and waves. And at one point, I tried to watch a movie, uh, and uh, next thing I knew, I was having hallucinations of Bill the Butcher in the form of Daniel Day Lewis from Gangs of New York, really chasing me through an old old time city. You know, I mean, you know, I closed my eyes, so. Those hallucinations and things were uh, were also just so troubling uh, that the lung pressure when you get that double pneumonia, both mm-hmm. in other words, both lungs starting to fill up. Um, if you've ever sprinted full out for you know for uh, you know 100 yards, 200 yards, depending on your fitness level, and at the very end you're just <gasps> breathing deeply and right. trying to catch your breath, uh, or you've gone up 10 flights of stairs. It felt like that all the time. Yeah. So 
you sit there and um, one of the one of the uh, main points was the night I, before I went into the hospital and I was sitting in bed and um, trying to go to trying to go to sleep after having done nothing all day um, and sitting basically in a sitting position and concentrating focusing on every single breath breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out while I was hoping that my body would take over autopilot so I could sleep. And I would start to fall asleep and wake up 30, 45 seconds later realizing I hadn't breathed. And that was when it really got scary. Next morning, I ended up in the hospital. Uh So that that was – so – that pressure, you have a pressure on your chest or, you know, um, to get a good feeling of it, as you, as you mentioned, you uh, lie face down on the floor and have somebody stand on your back uh, and geez. then see how your chest feels. And that's kind of how it, that's, that's a little bit of how it felt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take it back. So you went to London on a practicum mm-hmm. trip, is that right? And do you do yeah. that? Do you do that every year? This was our first year doing it, okay. actually. And so we had seven students that we took on a video practice. Mm-hmm. What was the purpose of that trip? Well, we uh, were telling stories. Uh, you know, it was a, a video practicum class at, uh, that we have at JMC that gives uh, an opportunity to really put into practice some of the skills that you're learning. And so we brought cameras and equipment and went and each person came up with a story idea and did, a, and did interviews with the British people. And we're kind of telling stories over there, um, which was, you know, which was, uh, uh, we, we left early March, right at the very beginning of March before uh-huh. any travel bans, before any, you know, before we, I think anybody in the United States really realized what was going on at the right. time we were more worried about, uh, stepping off the curb and getting hit by a bus because you didn't look the right way because they drive on the different side of the street yep. rather than worrying about the the disease. And we were, but we were very aware. So we were very careful. We were hand you know, with the hand washing and wearing gloves on the underground. And uh, we changed some of our itineraries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all those things to try to to try to stay safer. Um, it turns out that one of my friends, uh, actually, what my sister had a, a similar trip. Uh, plan just coincidentally that overlapped her uh she and her one of her best friends and their daughter each each of their daughters came to london at the same time and from what we can tell uh in trying to trace it back her friend may have been ill coming over Mm. but asymptomatic Mm -hmm. Um, because as soon as they got back they tested she tested positive my sister then got sick and then then got me sick and then my family got sick and and that's kind of how we are looking at how it went i don't even think we got it necessarily from the underground i think that the that and from from people in uh in london we kind of think that the people we're in closest contact with my sister and her friend um in that in that regard was could have been the way that was transmitted, we don't really know, and it's just hard. Right. To, it's just hard to know. Yeah. Uh, so we were very careful, but you know, it, would, um, yeah, it turned out that we still still ended up getting bitten, so to speak. Yeah, I think that phrase "it's just hard to know" kind of sums up COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, because that also has to deal with how the symptoms affect everybody. I mean, there are you know eighty percent of people. Uh, I have no problem. Fifty percent are totally asymptomatic, and right. so you don't know. You know, you just, we just don't know. And that, uh-huh. you know, as, as research continues and as we continue to roll through this, as we get more people with more experience, uh, and we start comparing notes, we're seeing a lot of similarities. You know, for instance, my wife 
she lost her sense of taste and smell. And, you know, it took a while before they realized, oh, well, that is one of those kind of that middle 30% yeah. that doesn't get it really badly and get a bunch of fevers, but that happens mm-hmm. and that's a sign. So that's coming back now, thank goodness. But, um, but that's been, it's just been such, such a strange, such a strange way that it affects everybody a little different. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts about going on the trip? We had talked about it certainly with um, with with education abroad. I talked about it with the students. We told I told all the students, hey, look, if they were really if they were uh, concerned that that you know they could pull out and it was not going to affect them financially, we, you know, we talked a lot about those uh, those types of things. And even while we were on the trip, um, the first travel restriction came. And again, we had a we had a meeting with the class and said, hey, listen, if you guys want to hop a flight and go home right now, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. We want to keep you safe. So we talked. We had talked about it again. You know, as, in the months leading up, um, there was really it was really considered something that was localized, and you know, all the all the information coming out of uh, a lot of the governmental pieces was, oh, it's under control. It's not going to. You don't have to worry. And the same was the same in London. That this was it was localized, and that was not going to be a problem. We were keeping close tabs, and there were no. Um, it turns out that in England they were very, very slow in closing things down and doing uh, even implementing social distancing measures. And so, um, so all the information we were getting it was bad information. And you only you can only make those decisions um, uh, as to you know what the information you can get. So we did actually we talked about hey are we good to go? And you know with all of the information we had, we felt that um, that we had uh, that. that that this was going to be fine. Uh, for most of most of everybody that went, it was fine. We had a couple of students that had one that had uh, that did get ill, and uh, another that had some minor minor um, um, symptoms, just the, the losing a sense of taste and smell. Um, and other than that, everybody else came through fine. So I mean, you know, you you look back and say, "Gosh, was it worth it?" You know, you don't want to get anybody sick. You don't want to make anybody uh, uncomfortable. Um, they all uh, in they all had a, a really uh, enriching time there, but gosh, you just wish it was at a different time in our world history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what did your like when you when you came back? How much time was there between like when you came back and when you got to Via Christi? Uh, you know, it was very, it was very quick. I, I was feeling a little run down, um, but you know, you're, you get jet, it's hard, it's masked by the jet lag and by, uh, you know, running around with seven college students and then we, our itineraries were pretty packed. And so we were going and he's like, boy, I'm really tired. And I might, you know, I, boy, I don't feel so good. Um, but when we came back, we flew in on a Monday night and had a friend drop a car at the, at the airport. And we were very cognizant that, Hey, you know, even if we're not sick, we're going to need to self quarantine for for two weeks just in case. Right. And so we made sure we didn't stop anywhere. We you know we had we didn't even need to worry about a, an attendant or anything. They dropped a car for us. We got in. We drove right to our garage. And then I was pulling the the luggage out of the out of the car. Suddenly started coughing and started coughing to where I I was having trouble catching my breath. I thought, boy, that's not good. And I woke up the next morning with a with a you know high fever and with the coughing and we realized we need to go to the emergency room. So all four of my fam- members of my family went to the emergency room. They tested all of us. They only actually uh, completed and processed mine because of my other symptoms. 
uh, because of my fever and because of uh, my lungs, they took an immediate chest x-ray. I already had double pneumonia, so I don't know. Whatever what my body was doing, it was run on adrenaline or whatever. Um, but uh, they said they gave me medication, sent me home. Three days later, we got our result, and on that same day was the day I went to the hospital. So got back late on a Monday night. By Friday, I was in the ICU. Um, and spent till the next Wednesday in intensive care, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So how long were you there for? So I was there five days. Okay. Um, so I said, got it on a Friday and actually the first two, three days I got worse and they were, were pretty concerned. I never had to go on a ventilator or, or uh, be intubated, but um, I did have supplementary oxygen um, and it was, uh, you know, the, the process in the hospital, I was the very first one for Riley County. So I had that, they have, you know, said, Hey, well, you are a guinea pig. We don't, they didn't know they had, they had everything in place. In other words, they knew what procedures they wanted to do, but they'd never done them before. So I was the very first one. Luckily, the uh, head of the intensive care unit is a pulmonary specialist. And so he was given primary care for me. And uh, so the lungs were what, were what we were most concerned about. And so we actually went on uh, the uh, hydrochloroquine and mm-hmm. azithromycin cocktail uh, before it was, became a popular thing, before people started talking about it. And it seemed to work for me. Um, so, you know, that that was... Um, that was successful in that, you know, within two to three days, uh, I, I turned around, uh, or my, you know, my lungs weren't stopped getting worse. Um, but I had some other, and some other, you know, liver function issues and some other things that the COVID does. Um, but at least to the point where I was stabilized enough that I had turned the corner that I could then go home. But five days in intensive care is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, totally isolated too, because of the COVID, uh, they had, you know, I saw my doctor came in totally, you know, masked and gowned and, and double gloved. Uh, he came in you know, once a day. And then my, I had one nurse who was specifically to, uh, assigned to me and that was it. And they would do what they call cluster care. So if my, uh, if I had, you know, medications due at 9.30 and then not again till 1.30, I, was, I wasn't going to see him in between unless there was some emergency. So if my lunch came at 12, it's, I'm getting to the 1.30. So, <laughs> uh, so I had almost no human contact, which, which also made it very tough in that isolation. Mm-hmm. So, like, did you not even see your family during that time? Uh, only on electronics, so only FaceTime. You know, my yeah. wife dropped me off at the, at the ER not knowing if she would ever see me again. I mean, you know, the way that things were going, people were going into the hospital, going into ICU, going on a ventilator and dying. And that's how COVID was, has been working. Uh, and so it was very stressful. You know, we were, we FaceTime a number of times a day, but you know, that's different than human contact. Um, and I had trouble concentrating. So it was hard. I, you know, I spent five days in the hospital in a bed and didn't watch any television. I mean, mm. you know, I'm in the United States of America. I'm an American. I watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> but for those five days, I couldn't even concentrate. I just couldn't. And that was part of it, part of the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now when you got home from the ICU, like what has, what has like your daily routine looked like since then? And I'm sure it's, it's changed since then. Yeah, you know, part of it is uh, I was I was sent home with supplemental oxygen to wear, particularly at night, just to help the help that 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 I was off for about after about a week. I I, I stopped using that, um, 
they, uh, the, the fever continued, I, you know, good days, bad days. Uh, I'm now um, more than two weeks uh, fever-free. And um, they, uh, and so that has uh, certainly helped. Um, uh, and so that has, so that certainly has helped. So that meant that I would be able to get, uh, get back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, I've been able to do, uh, to, to do things, uh, to start, um, you know, to, uh, start, uh, getting back to a normal schedule. Um, and, and that has, that has really helped. Uh, also I've been able to start exercising more and, um, you know, that started about a week ago is, uh, and that's kind of the best thing for the, um, to combat the virus is keeping the lungs working. Uh, and it's gone up and down, you know, I've woke up a couple of days with, with feeling some, some chest congestion and, and, um, have tried to move my lungs a little bit more and, and that's, that's kind of helped. Um, uh, the, the the biggest thing I think is getting back into working and, and, and a little bit of a schedule as much as you can. I mean, we're all so isolated, um, but it's been nice being back with the family too. And that's, that support is a big, uh, is, a, is a major difference uh, in, in care once you get out of the intensive care. Yeah. So have you started to do um, online classwork and teaching? Yeah. So I, I, I went back to that about, um, about a week after I got out of the hospital uh, and have been, uh, so now for the last couple, uh, the last two weeks, uh, I've been able to get back to all my online teaching, which has been great. Um, and you know, the, for, for, for the first little while, the concentration levels were just tough. I, it was hard to, you know, you do I could put a little bit and then stop, and then a little bit and stop. Now I can, you know, do an hour long Zoom class if I need to, and mm-hmm. uh, and I can at least um, at least do all of that, which is uh, which is good. <laughs> yeah. How did how was the adjustment from? Like being in the ICU to going home to back to work. Yeah, you know it, that it was kind of baby steps. You know, um, getting back back home. You know, the first couple of days I was in my bed just like I was in the hospital. Uh, um, in the hospital, but two days later, I ended up having a, uh, a massive blood clot in my leg, and so I had to go back into the emergency room to so they could do a scan of my leg, and then found out that I had veins on and put me on blood thinners, and oh, you know, geez. became a, it kind of was a big deal. Um, you know, that's going to probably follow me maybe the rest of my life, mm. but they, um, you know, that, that kind of thing, you know, happened the first couple three days and, uh, until finally we were, we stabilized all of the symptoms, so to speak. Um, and, and that was, and that was the important part was getting to me to a place where I felt like I could do stuff and, uh, and, and getting over it. And, uh, and at all the while, my family was also uh, going through their own struggles with it. And so that, so that made it tough for them to be sick as well and to have me home sick. And so, mm-hmm. um, but you know, each day, like I said, baby steps, each day has gotten better and better, and which is, uh, which has been good. Yeah. So did you find yourself like having to support and take care of your family, even though you were sick too? You know, uh, in certain, in some ways, you know, kind of trying to pull my own weight, so, <laughs> you know, uh, being able to, um, you know, it was, it was great to, you know, that I was able to stand at the sink and do all the dishes, you know, right. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, where, right. um, you know, everybody's home. So every day the dish, we use a lot of dishes and, um, you know, taking my turn and being able to pull my own weight. I mean, that was, that was an important step in recovery for me, um, was being able to, uh, was being able to do that. I mean, and that was, uh, 
and, and that took that took a week probably at home after the ICU to be able to to really feel like I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I know that your story really hit home for me, but like then it turned out to be really inspiring and encouraging when I heard that you were headed home. Um, what do you want people to learn or take away from your experience? What have you learned from this experience? You know, I, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is that uh, we all are connected and that we're, that we're community and that our actions affect other people and we can help other people's lives or we can hinder. And in a time like this, you know, staying home and being safe is important. And, uh, uh, and, and those, uh, and those things are, uh, are super important as well. And so, uh, and so those, those things are, um, I think those things helping our community is, uh, is to me, that's the takeaway that, you know, we need to all be community focused and understand that that's how we, uh, that's how, that's how we are. We're, we're interconnected. Help. We have such great community support and people that have helped out. Um, and people that have, that were really, uh, um, really amazing to go shopping for us when we were in total quarantine to, yeah. uh, you know, things would show up on our doorstep. I mean, uh, you know, we should keep doing that and find people that, that need help even after this is done. Yeah. What, uh, what has it been like? Like, have you been, I know you've been doing the, the Facebook videos, but has anyone else interviewed you about this? I've actually, yeah, I've been on, <laughs> I've been on TV and uh, podcasts all over the, all over the country. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I worked in, yeah. in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I've been doing things that, uh, that have aired there on TV and on the radio uh, two or three times and, uh, in Las Vegas, where I used to work. And just that, you know, there are people all over the country that you realize that, you know, you touched lives or they touched yours. And, uh, I uh, was on a podcast for, uh, the uh, U.S. version of China television, and so it, it's been a very interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, what is it? The been? goal, of course, Sorry. not to do that. The goal is just to uh, you know tell the story and let people know kind of what it's like. Right, exactly. What has it been like being a journalist and getting interviewed? Uh, you know, that's that, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're storytellers, right? So, I mean, that's what we do as journalists. And the reason that we one of the reasons we're in public is because. We figured that someone needed to tell the story. Nobody was telling that personal story, and we needed to tell it. And um, you know, we didn't want to make sure people knew that we were had been saved, that you know, that nobody else was in danger from us. And uh, and so we we tell stories. And so telling my own story is a little bit different than telling somebody else's story, but uh, but still, it's a story, and we, that's what we do. We relate. We relate mm-hmm. to people, and that's that's kind of how we tried to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, people who have been talking about it and just people who knew you before, like, um, would always talk about how you're, uh, like you're, you're a very healthy guy, very energetic. Like if, if I, if I'm not wrong, I hear that, that you work out too. And, yeah. um, I just wanted to ask you, like, where do you get your motivation, your energy from? Like, where did you get your motivation to fight the disease? You know, um, you, it's sometimes hard to find motivation for self, but you know, I had a, I had a family that, that is, uh, that was, that was relying on me. I, I also had such support from the community and from friends and from people who, you know, well wishers and really felt lifted up, really lifted up from all of the uh, people who, um, who were, 
uh, who were in my corner. And, you know, that I never got to that point of, oh, no, woe is me. I'm depressed. I mean, uh, you know, this is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt like, hey, we're going to win. Yeah. We're going to win. And, you know, that and getting rid of that, not having that other stress to have to deal with also, um, I think probably helps me uh, as well. And, you know, that po- I'm, I'm a positive person. And that is, um, that to me, I, I was confident in the stuff and the work that I, you know, put me in to be healthy, that I would then be able to overcome something that was, uh, that was attacking my body. And so, um, those, so that motivation I think was, uh, was strong as well. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who either has a disease or just feels trapped at home and is kind of falling into that woe is me mindset? Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got it, um, it, be, um, move, move. The, the COVID wants you to to lie down and just let it take you over. Hmm. Move as much as you can. Stretch. Get you take deep breaths. Make sure that you're fighting against it, not just passively waiting. That I think is a that was a big thing for me. Um, and for those who are uh, you know in isolation, reach out. Reach out to people you know. Um, uh, you know, I I, had, I was contacted by so many people that I people that I hadn't talked to in literally almost forty years. Yeah. were contacting me, you know, uh, school, school aged friends, yeah. uh, who I hadn't, hadn't heard, uh, heard from in, uh, you know, since fourth grade. Yeah. And so, uh, sorry, you know, sorry to expose but, you here, but you're 51, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, that is, that was, uh, and I know, and those are all con- contacts I want to try to keep up now. Um, but reach out, tell somebody, let, you know, make a list. Hey, I'm going to talk to these five people today. Um, and that, and that's hard to do when you're feeling that way, but, but it's important. I bet it's important when you feel isolated, you feel alone because everybody's going through the exact same thing. We've got two teenage daughters who are having trouble with this new online learning mm-hmm. and, um, and they're, and, and every person we talk to, their kids are having the same issues, you know, and it's just hard, but, uh, but you find that empathy and you find that, uh, that, community and others that are going through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think, like, what are the ne- the next steps for you now? Now, uh, you know, hopefully now that I've, I'm healthier, uh, I can be a resource for others who maybe get sick and, you know, that I can pay that back. Um, you know, my wife and I, we run a, uh, a, a meal, a meal for the, for the hungry and homeless every Monday night. And so, mm-hmm. Next week we'll get back to serving that. We've had other people help us out, but I, that's those are the kind of things that I like to do. So for me, that's that's kind of next step. Now that I've had it, I've got maybe antibodies, maybe I'm immune for a while, is to go and um, and go and help anybody else who who maybe needs something. And that's that's kind of always been our mindset. Yeah. Um, what is an encouragement that you would leave with the community in Manhattan and the K State community? Uh, just keep. Uh, keep keep positive keep your head up keep uh, keep reaching out don't don't fall into the trap of i'm the only one going through this because you're not mm-hmm. um you know i understand it uh, everybody else understands it everybody is going through the same thing reach out be uh, and if and if uh and, and as you are looking around at your friend circle even if you don't need to, to be reached out to reach out to somebody you think does because that's how we're going to be able to get through all of this. Humans are not isolative people, uh, creatures. You know, we like, we're tribal. We like to be with people. And, mm-hmm. and that is an important part. And if somebody is having trouble with that, be that person that makes that extra phone call or reaches out. And that's, that, I think that's going to be important for, for our community here until we get back to what a semblance of normal, whatever that ends up being. Right. Um, 
how do you stay positive and how would you encourage others to like the practical steps towards that? You know, uh, there are a lot of things I do for my own personal mental health. Uh, exercise is one of them. Get some sunshine. Uh, sit outside for a while. Don't you know you're indoors, but it doesn't mean that you can't sit on your porch. Um, you know, uh, the, I know I've been I, doing lots of you that. Know, my my own personal faith, I think, is probably part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but that is that's always been part of me that has always felt uh, felt positive. But I think worrying, not worrying, uh, not worrying at all, but um, but being concerned. Worry is a, is a negative thing. Concern it forces you to action. Be right. concerned about yourself and. Uh, and realize that um, that you're that everybody's got so much potential and they can they can do um, and be uh, a lot of who they want to be. And so in this time, um, I always try to put myself in the best position. Like I said, uh, exercising, getting the endorphins, getting the extra sunshine, doing those things. Those things are all super important to keep a positivity level up. Mm-hmm. How have you been doing adjusting to teaching online? Uh, I, you know, I've, I've taught online quite a bit, and I took a, a master's program uh, online, so it's, oh, gotcha. it's kind of second, second, uh, second nature for me. So mm. uh, it's actually worked out pretty well for me. So uh, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of things uh, you know that I've done in the past that uh, to try to keep people engaged, and uh, and hopefully we're just kind of moving those into that uh, that other realm. Gotcha. Okay, um, I think we're going to wrap things up here in a bit, Professor Smith. Um, is there anything sure. else? Is there anything else that you would like to say, though? Uh, you know, just uh, just that, uh, just that we're in it together. I mean, that that's the whole, that's the whole message. I think that, that uh, whether it's we're all staying home together, whether we're you know fighting this or that or the other, uh, and you know whether we're doing different ways that we're shopping or just being around. I mean, that's important to know that um, that. What we do is not done in a bubble, and then it affects those around us, and, and we need to be those forces for good in our community. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Professor. I really, really appreciate it, and I hope everything goes well for you moving forward. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate it very much, and, uh, and you know, we're, we'll all get through this. We'll all get through it. You know, this too shall pass. Yep. We'll see what, what's left when, <laughs> when it all passes. Right. And hopefully I can see you in the hallways of Kedzie Hall this fall. So. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's try to make that happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Pete. Yep, thank you. Have a good one. Bye, buddy. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.